Welcome to Main Menu for the week of November 1 through November 8, 2013. I'm your host, David Tanner, and we are pleased to have you with us here on Main Menu today. Whether you're a returning listener or you're a new listener, welcome aboard. We are glad to have you with us here today. Well, we have had quite a technology season this fall, and it still continues today. Executive producer Chase Chrisman interviews David Woodbridge from our Main Menu staff, and and Chase and David are going to talk about the latest in hardware from Apple, the latest upgrades in the iPad and the MacBook Pro and so forth. And they will be talking about that and also about the new release of the new operating system for all the Macs, the OS X 10.9 Maverick, and they'll tell you a little bit and talk a little bit about some of the new features there. And of course, we can expect that David will be coming along as we go on through the fall and talking and uh, giving us more demos and so forth of the new features in Maverick. And so you'll want to be tuned for those as they come along throughout the fall of this year. And then David Tanner is going to give us a demonstration and talk to us a bit about the latest iOS release of PayPal and show us around a little bit and talk about how you can do some of the great features of PayPal on your iOS device now very accessibly. That's what's up today on Main Menu. You have a great week and we will see you back here again next week on Main Menu. All of us here on the Main Menu staff work hard every day to make sure we're covering all of the technology that you may request. We are always looking at the latest technology news and product releases and attempt to bring you the latest and the best coverage of all new accessible products. If you think we've missed something or you have a certain product that you want to make sure we review, or if there's something we have not yet covered that you're curious about, please let us know and we will do our best to cover whatever it is that you suggest. To contact us, you can fill out the contact form on our website or find our email address or Twitter info on our website as well to get in contact with us. Our website is at mainmenu.acbradio.org. Please contact us with any ideas that you have for the program so that we can continue to be the best radio show covering assistive technology on the internet. And thank you for listening to Main Menu on ACB Radio Mainstream, where your listening is our business. Hello, Main Menu listeners. This is Chase Crispin, and I am once again speaking with David Woodbridge, and today we are talking about more new things from Apple. We have some new hardware for both the Mac and the iPads, and we also have a new operating system for the Mac. So we have quite a bit to talk about. So David, welcome back to Main Menu. Thanks for having me back again. So let's start off by talking about the new hardware that Apple released. First of all, many people have probably already heard, but there is now an iPad Air. That's right. So the, I guess the main difference between the current iPad and the new iPad Air, and that's going to be the name of the, the iPad now, so it'll be the iPad Air. 
Of course, it's basically thinner and lighter, which Apple seems to always do with their products. And, of course, it's got the, the full retina display. Uh, but primarily, it's basically thinner and lighter. But, of course, the other interesting thing they also did was alongside announcing the iPad Air, they also announced a new iPad Mini Retina. So, literally, to do with the both iPads now, the full-size one, the iPad Air, and, and the little one, the iPad Mini, because they've both got Retina, they're both thin and light. One's a smaller version and one's a bigger version. It really comes down these days to what you prefer in portability because they've basically got almost exactly the same functionality and definitely the same screens now. But the other interesting thing too was that now you literally have four iPads to choose from. So in the full size iPad range, Apple has still kept the iPad 2, which um, I think we were talking about before it came out in 2011. And I've got a funny feeling the reason for that is because lots of schools still use the iPad 2. And it's a good workhorse iPad. It does the job. It still runs most of the iPad applications and just keeps working on and on. And then you've, all, then you said, then you've got the iPad Air. So the two full-size iPads, you've got the iPad 2 and the iPad Air. And the smaller iPad, the iPad Mini, which you, Apple has still kept the current version of the iPad Mini, which is non-Retina. And then you can have the iPad Mini Retina. So, of course, both the iPad 2 and the current iPad Mini are a lot cheaper than their you know, the, the brand new cousins. So with the iPad 2 or the iPad Air or the, the smaller one, the iPad Mini and the iPad Mini Retina, you can really look at your pocket as far as cost is concerned and still get the same functionality and accessibility out of both systems now. So it's a good choice for consumers. But the other interesting thing I noticed in the keynote, there was absolutely no mention about updating the iPod Nano or the iPod Shuffle range nor was there any mention about the Apple TV, which I thought was very interesting. Uh, and, of course, they also mentioned the fact that the Mac Pro, the high-end Mac for video editing, is still coming out and will be available towards the end of the year. And, of course, the other major thing they mentioned was the fact that Mavericks itself was released as of today of the keynote. And surprise, surprise, it could be unaware is the fact that upgrading to Mavericks is completely free and they didn't say that you had to have a previous version of Mount Lion on your Mac basically any Mac that's capable of running Mavericks you can update to so for example I've got a Mac Mini from about 2010 so I'm going to actually try that out probably the next week or two to see if I can do a straight upgrade from Snow Leopard 10.6.8, which was the latest Snow Leopard, to the current version of Mavericks and see what happens. But I was, one, quite taken aback by the fact they announced it on the keynote because I thought we'd at least had another couple of weeks. And also very amazed that they've actually made it free. And I guess if iOS is free on the iPhone and the iPad and the iPod Touch, I guess there's no reason why it can't be free on the operating system for the Mac as well. So going back to the iPads for just a second, so is there any difference other than a price difference and the obvious screen difference between 
say the iPad Air and the iPad 2 or the iPad uh, Mini with Retina and without it? Is it just a price and a screen difference, or did they upgrade the processor? No, they've, up, they've upgraded the processor. Okay. So I'm, I have to check my notes, but I'm pretty sure in the iPad Air, it's the A7 chip, and in the iPad Mini, it's the same A7 chip as well. So they've got a bump up in the, in the processor um, plus the screen. Um, and, of course, I haven't seen the stats on the, the battery length of time to when you actually use it on battery, but I'm assuming they've had to do some smart things to still get, you know, particularly the iPad Mini with Retina, still get a good amount of time out of the battery as well, considering it's also pushing all those pixels around for the Retina display. And there was also an update to the MacBook Pro laptops, correct? That's right. So the MacBook 13-inch got an upgrade. Um I tended to actually skip over that section because I think, and I've heard this on a few technology podcasts, it's almost getting to the stage now where lots of people have got all this equipment already. So they've got an iPhone, they've got an iPad, or they've got a, a Mac Air, or they've got a MacBook Pro or, and a Mac Air. And you almost get to the stage where you think, oh, I've really got all this equipment already. Do I really need another bump up in processing speed, in memory? in my screen display, all that sort of stuff. So um, I'm actually really happy to currently to stay with my, you know, my current MacBook Pro from 2012, my current Mac Air from this year, 2013. Um, you know, my iPad mini is still rolling along quite nicely. I've still got my original um, two iPad ones for my boys at home, and I've still got my iPad 3 for work. Um and my granddaughter uses an iPad too. So, you know, based on all that sort of stuff, I just think, well, you know, it's good to have all these new updates across the product line and probably great for new users. But I've got a funny feeling it's going to reach a saturation point fairly shortly where people have already got this equipment and you really have to start thinking, you know, is it, do I need to upgrade or can I just keep using it for a little while longer and then I'll decide to upgrade later on? Was it the standard MacBook Pro that was upgraded or the one with the Retina display? It was, I believe it was the standard MacBook Pro. That's what I was thinking, Pro too. that was, up, was updated, yeah. And I believe the 15-inch standard MacBook Pro was discontinued, right? I think it's just the standard 13-inch remaining, and then you have the 13 and the 15 with Retina, so that the 13-inch MacBook Pro is the only one remaining with a CD-DVD drive if you want a CD drive, you have to get the 13-inch. Otherwise, you can get the 13 or the 15-inch MacBook Pro with a Retina display without a CD DVD drive. Is that what you got out of the presentation as well? That's correct, yeah. Um, like I said, I I listened to it, but as soon as I heard, you know, MacBook 13 Pro and you know, I thought, yeah, well, I've already, got, I've already got my MacBook Pro 13-inch. Thanks very much. I don't want a MacBook Retina. Um, so mainly because I, I I wanted to keep my DVD drive and my MacBook Pro at the moment, um, and I just you know it, to me I just thought well it's another update but you know thanks very much but no thanks for the moment. Moving on now to the Mavericks, which is the new operating system that replaced Mountain Lion. Go ahead and talk about some of the major changes to the operating system itself, and then after that we'll get into some of the accessibility changes. Okay, so of course to reiterate with Mavericks, it's free, as in F-R-E-E, uh, and you can upgrade it from any Mac that's capable of running Mavericks. 
And I should say, first of all, that there's really no reason if you don't want to, again, not to upgrade. And there's a few reasons for that. So, for example, um, I've noticed on the internet there's a few issues that people are concerned about um, boot camp, and I've got no idea because I don't use boot camp on my Mac. But if you're using boot camp to boot into Windows, etc., and you're a bit worried, then don't upgrade. If you've got certain applications that you're not not sure that they run on Mavericks, again, don't upgrade. So, for example, I use a program called Read for Me on the Mac, which is what I use to quickly translate text documents into audio MP3 files for work. <clears throat> and that gets used quite a lot. Now, unfortunately, that doesn't work in Mavericks. So I actually can't use it. I, have, I can only use it on my MacBook Pro 13-inch that I haven't upgraded yet. So that's a, another issue. So be very careful to find out whether your applications will actually work under Mavericks. Um, and besides that, you know, you could literally use Mavericks practically much in the same way as Mountain Lion. And in actual fact, there's probably nothing in some ways to me in Mavericks that would cause me to up anyway. I mean, I've, I've been testing Mavericks for the last several months or so, and that's why I've, I've got an updated version. But on my MacBook Pro at the moment, I'm probably not going to upgrade at the moment just to because I don't need to. And the fact that you know I've, I've still got to support people on the Help Desk at Vision Australia for both Mountain Lion and Mavericks. But, of course, one of the two applications that did get put into Mavericks, which is on the iPhone, of course, uh, is firstly Maps and iBooks. So the nice thing about Maps, for example, is... Hang on, I'm going to sneeze now. Um, the nice thing about Maps on the Mac is that you can very quickly do a search for a destination. So I could very quickly type in my friend's home address. I can then confirm my origin point from where I'm starting from. And then I can get access to the direct list of instructions. But what's even cooler than that is the fact that I can go to my share option in the toolbar and say, send these directions to my iPhone. I then jump into maps on my iPhone and there's the directions to my friend's house ready to go. I just press the start button and hey presto, I'm off traveling to my friend's place. So that's very, very nice and it's very accessible with VoiceOver course and works very nicely. Um, it, it also does sort of the same thing that I find a bit confusing on iOS sometimes on the maps is where you know you put in an address and then you interact with the, uh, the scroll area for the map and it's got all the streets around that street that you just put in. So I just tend to ignore that most of the time, I just want to know my destination point, the route steps going along the way, and then if I need to send it off to my iPhones, and then I can actually start navigating. So that works very nicely. The other major application that I also mentioned was iBooks for the Mac. And, of course, having your all your iBooks on iCloud, you can definitely share your books or read your same books between your iOS device and your Mac. And I'd have to say at the moment, the iBooks application is probably, technically speaking, a little bit wonky <laughs> as far as voiceover is concerned. You definitely can read a book. 
it's got a few interesting issues to do with the scroller and the fact that it breaks it up into different sort of HTML pages inside the scroller for the chapters. Um, there are a few or quite a few unlabeled buttons on the main iBooks screen. And last time I tried it, you couldn't actually use the shortcut keys to switch between chapters in the iBook. So that was a bit of an issue, that the fact that you just couldn't use the, sh- I mean, the shortcut keys are there, but they don't activate. Um, and I can't check it, of course, when VoiceOver is not running. Um, but as far as I know at the moment, that's not active. But you can still definitely read an iBook. You can purchase iBooks on the iBook store. That works reasonably okay. But what I've been reminding people to is the fact that this is a 1.0 release of iBooks, the same as Maps is a 1.0 release of Maps. So there are going to be some accessibility issues. Uh, Apple is fully aware of the accessibility issues, particularly in the iBooks app on the Mac. And as I always say on the help desk at Vision Australia, if you have any issues to do with the Mac or anything else to do with accessibility with the Apple product line, you can always email accessibility at apple.com and they'll log it, bug it as a report and then hopefully, you know, in the upcoming releases, those issues will be fixed. But, you know, just don't assume that it's not going to work because it's not currently working in the current version. That was a really good, I mean, to me, reading iBooks on the Mac is one thing, um, but I I tend to use iBooks on my iPhone and my iPad on my iPod Touch. Um, and it'd be nice if the Kindle app was also accessible on the Mac. But at the moment, I guess we've got iBooks on the Mac, we've got iBooks on the iOS devices, and we've also got Kindle on iOS devices as well, so we've got good reading options there. Now, the other interesting thing that uh, has popped up under your battery-level indication on your extras menu, so you, if you're a voiceover user, you can get to that by doing Control Option or VOM twice, under your battery indication menu, there's actually a option that tells you what apps are using a lot more power, or you know, using up your your battery level battery level when you're using an app. So, for example, when I'm using the iBooks Author app uh, to do some work in there, um, when I go under look under the battery level, it says you know, it either says no apps are using any extra energy, or in my case, iBooks Author is using a bit of energy on your Mac at the moment. So that's actually a very handy option to have that I can quickly go and check if there's anything chewing up my battery, um, particularly if I'm on a train or a plane traveling somewhere and I want to make sure that I've you know maximized my battery to its proper amount. Uh, the other thing, speaking about battery, is there's a new option in your system preferences now for saving energy on your Mac, and that's where the... Mac will only try and do things at specific times, which is quite handy. And very iOS-like is the fact that you can actually get apps to update in the background. And if you've currently got an app opened and software update pops up and says, oh, hello, you can't update this app while you're using it, you can then get it to do that update in an hour or later on in the night, and so on. So you can choose when you want that update to happen. And I actually found that quite nifty. The other option that, of course, is to do with um, the Mac in general, 
and this is sort of accessibility related, is the fact that now you can do what's called offline voice dictation. So if you go into system preferences, dictation and speech, and go into the dictation tab, you can actually turn on what's called offline dictation mode now. So it downloads the appropriate software to your hard drive. And you can literally sit there and talk to your Mac, as in voice dictate, to the cows come home now, rather than having it go off to the Apple servers, which it used to in Mountain Lion. So that's actually a, a very nice change, and I've been using that quite a lot on my Mac at the moment. So that's actually very handy as well. Um, getting back to the apps, so I've already talked about um, Maps and the iBooks, the two new applications. There's, of course, been updates to Safari and Calendar. I must say that I haven't really played with the Calendar option much at the moment, but it is different with VoiceOver. Uh, the options in Safari now, you they have an, a, an option there where you can actually see what shared links are become available from your friends and other social media. Uh and you've also got access to other links much quickly on the sidebar now. Um, but then again, you can also just use Safari in exactly the same way you've been using it before. Uh, so, for example, if you just want to go into Safari and press Command L for loading a, a hyperlink, type in the address, hit enter, and then navigate the website, you can actually ignore the sidebar or the, you know, the, the top links or your favorite links and all that sort of stuff. You can just ignore that and just use the same HTML area that you've used before. So, and I guess what I want to keep reiterating for all this chat we're having is the fact that you can definitely use Mavericks most of the same way that you can use previous versions of the operating system. Um, so Lion, Mountain Lion, and even going back as far as you know, Snow Leopard and and even uh, the other day I was using a, a, a Mac that had um, leopard on it, which was <laughs> quite amazing. Wow. Um, I did actually encourage that person to upgrade somewhat, particularly for um, web accessibility. So, look, I, I, would, I would say to people, explore if you do decide to upgrade to Mavericks or if you can get a machine to have a look at, have a look at the calendar and see what you think and have a look at Safari and, and see what you think. Now, as far as... Uh, the Finder goes. There's quite a new things in Finder. One of the things which is actually very interesting is that you can actually use what's called multiple windows in Finder. So basically what that means is that, and it's similar to the multiple windows that you get in Safari. So when you're in Safari, you can have multiple websites open and you can just change between those windows and the same thing in the Finder. So, for example, if I do, let's say I go into my Applications folder, uh, I can then choose to go into another window, say my Downloads folder and my Documents folder, and then towards the screen near your, your toolbar is an option that, well, not an option, but you've actually got the sort of the several tabs that read out. So, for example, I could have Applications, Documents, Downloads, Home folder, my Dropbox folder, and then I can just, you know, VO left arrow and right arrow between those ones and this place point the one to use. So that's actually very, very handy. Um, so if I just press Command T, I can actually just 
open up the current window I'm in in a new tab. So then that adds it to that list of current open finder windows that I said was up towards near your toolbar. Um, and that's very handy. I find I, I tend to start using it a lot, particularly when I'm working on different documents in different windows in the finder, particularly when I'm copying and pasting stuff. It comes in really handy. And of course, the other new feature in the front that I really haven't used that much is called tagging. And that's when you can put a tag on a file and you can actually search for that using Spotlight. So you could, you know, you could label files for work, you could label files for home, you could label almost anything you like under particular categories and then search or sort by those particular tags. And you'll notice when, for example, in text edit or pages, when you go to save a document, one of the options in that save as dialog box is a tag edit field where you can actually straight away give your new document, your edited document, a tag name. So when it's saved to your hard drive, um, it's already got the tag there ready to go. Um, I, I must say, because I, I guess I'm more of a, I don't know, a sort of a, a general speech user and I just tend to know where my documents are because I've got it all organized into folders Probably me personally, I really don't see much need for tagging at the moment. But I mean, who knows? Maybe when I get more up into having a, a, a wide range of documents that I've got to keep track of, um, you know, tagging might come in useful in the future. But at the moment, um, I really can't see a need for it myself. But it's definitely there if you need to use it. The other option to do with um, iCloud, in, uh, specifically, is the fact that you've got now called iCloud Keychain which actually remembers passwords and your credit card numbers between all your, if you like, your Apple devices. So, for example, when I log on to a website on Safari on my Mac and I put in my password for it, because I've got iCloud Keychain running, when I log into that same web page using Safari on, let's say, my iPad mini, it knows that I've already done that on my other machine and I don't have to remember my password for that particular website. So that's actually very, very handy. Um, I must admit, I do get a little bit lazy. I mean, I know you're supposed to have lots and lots of different passwords for all your different websites. I've probably got about seven passwords that I use most of the time on main websites. Um, but this way, it means I really don't have to remember to actually you know, go and look it up in the program that I use to store my passwords You know, if I, if I get a password now. So that's quite nice. But that's the other reason why I have a lock or I have my phone, my iPad, my iPad mini lock or I have a security password on my Mac screen because if you jump into Safari on my Mac or you jump into Safari on my unlocked iOS device, you could literally get straight into my websites now because I don't have a, if I didn't have a password lock either on my Mac screen or my iPhone screen. So it's probably a good idea for people to start thinking about more about security, particularly when you've got all these automated things happening. Another option um, which I don't use because I don't need to use multiple screens is the fact that you can now use and set up with a minimal amount of configuration multiple displays on your Mac. So rather than just having you know one external display linked up, you can have more than one linked up to your Mac. Um, and according to Apple, that's actually very easy to set up. So as with any Mac OS upgrade, there's not just new features and new apps. There's also some enhancements to accessibility and in particular voiceover. What are the most major changes to accessibility in Mavericks? Well, the, the major 
well, the, for not so much for non for voiceover users at the moment, but there's actually a new, and this is the same under iOS seven. You've you've actually got switch control now for the Mac as well. So if you have physical issues navigating the keyboard or using the mouse or the trackpad, you can actually have the Mac scan on the screen, and then you can choose to select different options. Um, by just pressing a switch control, like an external switch control, or pressing a key on your keyboard, or doing something with your trackpad and so on, to navigate your Mac. So that's yet another option for people who've got physical challenges to use the Mac. And of course, switch control, you can get access to that under system preferences accessibility. Um, Or if you want to dive into there quickly, you can do option command function key 5. That brings up the accessibility dialog. Just choose system preferences uh, or preferences, I mean, and it'll take you straight to the accessibility panel and you can have a look in the switch control parameters. And you can also edit. It's got a switch control editor where you can edit certain functionality and you can share that document, if you like, between other Mac switch users so that actually makes it you know very 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 flexible um, one option which this is particularly for voice which I found very weird on the Mac and I actually turned mine off was it's got ducking control so for example you know when you use your iOS device and you've got music playing and then you use voiceover well voiceover makes the music playing in the background duck under voiceover so you can actually hear voiceover you know clearly so it's not getting overcome by the music in the background of course when you stop using voiceover the music comes back it's actually got that same thing on the mac and for some reason for me it feels really really weird um so if i'm playing itunes on my mac and i then start using voiceover it ducks the music straight away as it does on the iphone and then brings it back when voiceover is finished talking and I don't know, I just found weird on a main computer. I don't know if I haven't sort of embraced the audio ducking bit yet, but um, if you don't like it, you can definitely go into voiceover utility sounds and there's a checkbox in there that turns off audio ducking if you really don't like it. I find it quite off-putting. I guess more where I find it off-putting is, and this is the thing to think about, if you're editing a podcast, for example, like I do all the time, and I haven't got that turned off, it's turned on, every time I'm listening to my podcast and trying to navigate with voiceover because I'm editing, uh, it's going to keep ducking the <laughs> the audio playing on the on the podcast as I use on Windows Pro. So that's another thing to think about. It's Yes, it's nice it's there, but again, sort of think about your workflow and what you might be doing on your Mac. And then, as I said, you can choose to turn that on and off. Of course, there's quite a few new voices uh, to do with the the Mac. So, the of course, the, the you can download these for the full size premium voices, um, and I'll, I'll let people find out what they are. So, if you want to find out what they are, for example, and I'll, I'll mention a few of them here though, but you can definitely go into voiceover utility, go into speech, and then on your voices tab, and you can choose where your default voice button is. Go to the bottom, custom voices. And then what the easiest way to bring up all these voices, particularly for English, is in the search field, just type in the word English, hit enter, and then it'll bring up all the voices for English, for example, both the, the, the compressed, uh, 
uh, and the, the full premium voice that you can then download via software update. But for example, uh, some of the new ones, my main favorite one is Oliver. <laughs> He's actually quite a nice sounding voice for the Mac and, and there's Kate and a, and a few other ones. But I, I tend to always go back to good old Alex at the end of the day um, because I find he just tends to work a lot more efficiently. I find with the other voices that particularly when I'm reading for a long time, they tend to change their pitch slightly. So I always tend to go back to Alex. I do use Karen sometimes, particularly if I'm working between my iPad mini and my Mac, just so that the voices are the same between both systems. But I'd have to say on the whole, I, I tend to use more Alex than I do the, all the other different voices. And of course, you've still got all the novelty voices in there. So you've still got Good News, which is the singing one. You've still got Hysterical. You've still got Bubbles, um, Whisper. Pipe Organ. Yeah, Whisper. That's it. <laughs> yep. um, and you've still got the original voice in there. And I'm pretty sure that's the original Fred voice. So Fred's still in there. Um, and I'm pretty sure that was the voice that I first started using without spoken. And here's how odd I am back in 1990 with um, System 6.07. So <laughs> um, I suddenly realized the other day that I've actually been using a Mac on and off now for about 23 years. So, um, of course, we had that break in the middle between, you know, when Outspoken stopped working with System 9 and then we didn't have, you know, speech access for blind folks until uh, 10.4 with Tiger. But, yeah, I just thought it was curious that... Um, sort of looking back and reflecting on the different voices. but So there's, there's definitely new voices in there. As I said, have a play with them. There's quite a few. Um, and they haven't taken any voices away. So if you've been happy with specific voices in there, they're still there to play with. Now, the other option in there too is the fact that VoiceOver can now read MathML on the web now. So if that's part of your education or it's part of something that you need to do in your workplace, then VoiceOver will be able to read that for you now, um, which is actually quite handy. And one thing they've actually added, and I've got no idea how this actually replicates in real life, but they've, they've what they've said is they've updated fast character typing echo. So I'm assuming this means that when you're in uh, letter mode, when you're typing on the keyboard, it's more responsive. Now, most of the time I've ever got my keyboard echo turned off, I've got it in word mode anyway. Um, so, and when I've actually put my uh, keyboard echo back to character only, I really haven't noticed that much difference about when I'm typing. And then I don't know if that's because I'm using a Mac Air, um, you know, or my MacBook Pro is reasonably up to date, but I haven't noticed any difference in the speed of voiceover, reading back to me what key I've just hit, hit. But, you know, it's supposed to be there. Uh, the whole system also supports, well, I should say the whole system, but basically in accessibility options now, you've got closed caption support now. So for things in iTunes, etc., then uh, Mac Mavericks now supports closed captioning. And you can actually customize it, including font, highlights and so on so it's very customizable now so people that rely on captions you can actually do the whole lot of it now for for fine tuning it to your own needs and as I said it's for iTunes QuickTime etc 
So that's actually quite another handy option. And again, because that's in iOS 7, it almost seems like, and I guess this is no surprise, that they're really bringing the accessibility on both platforms much closer to each other in what both systems are actually doing now. So, you know, closed captioning support, switch control in iOS 7, and the same thing in Mavericks now. And the final one that I wanted to cover, and I haven't used this, but for people that might remember, the Mac, while it doesn't support voice navigation for the operating system, it's got these things called speakable items. And you can actually set that up so that you can launch applications or you can do specific workflows via your voice. And what they've done in this current version for Mavericks is they've made that a lot more flexible and you can do more things with it. So if people are actually interested in doing speakable workflows, for example, you can do that with a voice command. So I don't know how much that would be accessible via VoiceOver at the moment, but they've definitely had a look at it. Now, I'd have to say that you know, voice recognition for navigation compared to what Windows currently does, um, it's extremely basic on the Mac, and I just wish that's one of the things that they would actually really spend more attention to. Um, you know, we've already got voice dictation on the Mac, which works pretty well. I just wish we had proper voice navigation on the Mac, even as something as basic as what Siri does on the iPhone, where you could say launch or open an application because um, I, I just find that at the moment that's still something that's really missing on the Mac that you can't navigate properly on the Mac with your voice and the other thing I've noticed is I don't know whether that speakable items takes into account as far as your regional setting um, I know when I had a first look at that those speakable items back in geez it must have been I think it was later on in in Snow Leopard, it only seemed to work if you had an American voice or if you spoke extremely clearly and enunciated each word you were saying, then it worked okay. But if you just use general conversation voice, it didn't work too well. It didn't, sorry, it didn't work too well. So for the moment, speak items is there. They have increased the functionality of it, but I don't know how well it's going to work at the end of the day. So that's probably the main things to do with Mavericks. I guess the, the outstanding things, again, going just a bit of a summary, is the fact that you've now got Maps and iBooks on there. In the Finder, you've got the tagging option and you've got the Finder multiple windows. You've got the new calendar look. You've got the shared links, etc. in Safari. And, of course, you've got those energy saving options, i.e. to tell you what uh, your battery might be doing with specific applications and the fact that you can actually get apps to update in the background. And of course, some of the new voiceover features. So for example, the new voices themselves, the audio ducking, which is quite handy, and of course, the math ML support. And the general accessibility options, of course, with the voice offline dictation the closed captioning and the fact that you can change the highlight and the background, etc., And, of course, the, the switch control scanning 
for your Mac the same as you have on the iOS devices. And one really exciting thing that I've left to last because I find it really, really exciting, and they they announced it in the keynote, but they didn't make much of an announcement about accessibility, was, of course, they also announced the new iLife and the iWork suite. That's been completely updated. But one of the really exciting things in the iWork suite is the fact that Pages, after about four years, uh, now it's been updated, you can actually use tables in Pages now. So, for example, when I'm doing my uh, evaluation of equipment at Vision Australia, my whole product evaluation document is in a table. So on the left-hand column, I've got the question or the observation. The right-hand column, I've actually got the content when I write. Now, up until now, I couldn't actually use that table document, but now in Pages, I can. And they've also made a few other changes to make Pages more accessible for education in the workplace. But the main big one for me at the moment is the fact that I can use tables for both reading and creation in Pages now using VoiceOver on the Mac. So that's very exciting. That is really exciting. I think that's probably the biggest thing that's been missing from the Mac so far. So that is a huge step forward. It is. And, you know, of course, I then turned around to Apple and said, well, if you can make PDF structured navigation on the Mac accessible as well, that'd be really fantastic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're never satisfied. I mean, we, we get new options. And we go, yeah, that's fantastic, but we can get more guys. So, um, but no, look, the Pages table navigation is absolutely fantastic. I mean, I, I started using it um, late last week for Pages and it was absolutely brilliant. I couldn't believe how more accessible my you know, my leave document was for work, my, like I said, my product evaluation document and all the other documents I, I tend to use on a daily basis at work are now accessible on my Mac just because pages can now read tables. It's absolutely brilliant. So the process to upgrade from Mountain Lion to Mavericks, like you said a couple minutes ago, is totally free and it is done through the App Store like the last few updates have been, correct? That's correct. Yep. Okay. So literally, you just go into the. Well, what I basically did with my one is I just went into the Mac App Store. Uh, I like searching for applications, so I just went to the search field with Command F, typed in the word Mavericks, M A V E R I C K S, hit enter. And then in the HTML area, of course, which comes up, there was Mavericks. I just started downloading it and it went through the install process. That's very great. straightforward. All right. Well, thank you, David, for joining us on Main Menu today to discuss all things Apple once again. We look forward to hearing all of your demos on these new Mavericks features. And thanks for speaking with me today. That's okay. My pleasure. We are going to look at PayPal today, the PayPal app for iOS. And we're looking at this on an iTouch 5 today using VoiceOver and iOS 7 and the latest release of the PayPal app, which just came out a couple of weeks ago, so around the middle of October. And so it has been optimized for iOS 7. And I have been using the PayPal app for a while, um, probably around a year. And I have actually thought it was pretty accessible all along uh, with VoiceOver. But interestingly enough, back in mid-September, 
PayPal actually released their first app in which the description actually said that it they had made it voiceover compatible. And I kind of went, wow, I already thought it was. And so um, it, it was maybe a, th- a couple of things that weren't as accessible as they could be. But now it is very accessible, and so we're going to spend a little bit of time just showing you around a little bit. Obviously, we're not going to do any bank transactions as such, so because of confidentiality and so forth. But to show you some of the different screens and show you doing some of the different operations, so you get a feel for how accessible the PayPal app is and what all you can do with it. And if you are a PayPal user, you already know what a lot of the features are. And so uh, basically we'll just be showing you how well and how easy it is to do on your iPhone or iTouch or iPad. And I am going to be using a Bluetooth keyboard uh, for this demonstration simply because I think it will allow us to go quicker and through things and show you a lot more, a lot more quickly than I could using swipes and so forth. Not that you can't do it that way, and I do it that way quite often. I'm going to go to the PayPal app here. PayPal. Double tap to open. And we're going to open that up. PayPal account button. And when it comes up, it lands you on the account button. And that is because you'll need to log in each time that you open the app. But I want to show you the uh, first screen that you're going to see when you come into the PayPal app. And I'm going to let it just read voiceover, read the entire screen to you. Account button. See your activity. Send money. More. Get exclusive offers. Pay with your phone. Order and pay before you arrive. Okay, and so that's our first screen. And we are going to go ahead and double tap on the account button. No nearby merchants. Please check back soon. We're adding new the Home Depot, 155 Nicolai Boulevard, W. Burnsville, 1.5 miles. Okay. Now, when it came up, we didn't actually come up to the screen where you log in. We came up on another screen here, and I'm going to let you just see some of this here a little bit. Progress halted. Dupe distribution, 4.4 miles. Progress halted. Amy Gilliland, 5.7 miles. Progress halted. The Home Depot, 15,101 Flagstaff Ave, Apple Valley, 5.7 miles. Progress halted. Guarantee Business Systems, 2020 Silver Bell Road, Stut for Egan, 6.1 miles. Okay, and what this is, is one of the tabs actually gives you a listing of nearby merchants to where you are that accept PayPal. And that's a really nice thing. And you can actually even go in and get additional information about each of those places if you wanted to. Account button. Secure. Text field. Is editing. Password. And the first thing it's going to do is put you on the password. Now, above that uh, are actually the name of the person and the name of the account. If you have already established an account, uh, it does log you out when you unload the app out of memory. So now I do have to log in. And I'm going to go ahead and type in password here. Okay, now I've typed in my password, the username's already there, uh, and so now I have two choices, and I'm going to uh, go use my right arrow, or I would be swiping to the right. 
Clear text, but login button. There's a login button, but below the login button, there's a couple of other interesting things here. More options button. More options. Q. And there is more options. The button. top edge of the on-screen keyboard. You can actually log in two ways on your PayPal account. You can use a password to log in, or when you sign up with the app, you can put in a pin and then when you want to log in instead of using a password instead of using your account's password there's actually a pin you can use login button and there's my login button i'm just going to double tap on that login shop button all right now i have gotten logged in and let's see if we can find out a little bit about what we have here and i'm going to start swiping to the right recent activity view all button paypal balance Three U.S. dollars and 40 cents. Wow, don't I have a big bounce. All right, right so uh, as soon as I log in, it is going to default and take me to a screen where it's going to tell me what my balance is. It's going to give me a shopping button at the top of the screen and then immediately after that it's going to give me my balance and and it's also going to say uh, all activity and below where we are now. Available balance. Three U.S. dollars and 40 cents. So the next thing down starts the list of my recent activity. So again, when I swipe to the right. October 27th, 2013. Completed. Bank account, $260. All right. So the last activity on this count was to move $260 from the PayPal account to my bank account. And then I can go on down and see all the other activity. It will show me uh, not only that I moved money to my bank, it'll show me any payments that I made and who I made them to, any deposits that I may have made in my account. It'll show all of that right there. And that is what's on this screen. Now let's go and let's take a look what we have at the bottom of our screen. Okay, now we're, I'm down at the bottom of my screen and I'm going to let you see the choices we have here in tabs. And our first tab. Selected. Activity. Tab. One of four. Okay, and so we have an activity tab and that's where we are now. And then the next tab to the right. Transfer tab, two of four. All right, transfer tab, that would be if I want to transfer funds somewhere. Wallet tab, three of four. Wallet tab. Settings tab, four and of four. there's our settings tab. Okay, let's go take a look at our settings tab real quick. Selected settings tab, four of four. Wallet tab, transacted legal agreements. And let's see what, what we have on this page. Legal agreements, activity, tab, one of four, transfer, tab, two of four, wallet, tab, three of four, selected, settings, tab, four of four. And obviously we don't have a whole lot there. Wallet, tab, three of four. All right, let's go back to the wallet tab and see what we have there. Okay, now here we are on our wallet screen and let's see what all it has here. Shop button, wallet, heading, click refresh wallet button, add button, PayPal balance, three US dollars and 40 cents, available balance, three US dollars and 40 cents, add to button, withdraw button, scan check button, bank accounts, Wells Fargo Bank NA, checking, fill up your wallet, tap the plus button to link your favorite debit and credit cards to your PayPal account, activity, tab, one of four, transfer, tab, two of four, selected, wallet, tab, three of four, settings, tab, four of four. All right, so as you can see on this screen, we have, again, it tells us what our balance is. We have a place where we can add money to our account. 
we have a place where we can add uh, other bank accounts or credit cards to our PayPal account that we could use to put money into our account. Also have a place where you can scan a check. And uh, one reason for that is you can actually take and take a picture of a check and then you could put in an amount that you want to take out of that checking account and put in PayPal and you can do that and then turn around and use that money then to pay a bill, for example, if you wanted to. All right, let's go now and let's see what our other screens are. Selected, wallet, transfer, tab, two of four. All right, there's our transfer tab. All right, now let's look at the transfer tab and see what we have here. All right. Shop button, selected, send button, one of two, request button, two of two, next, dimmed button, two, email or mobile number, text field, amount, zero US dollars, zero US dollars, text field, message, optional, text field, what's this payment for, heading, friends or family, button, goods or services, button, activity, tab, one of four, selected, transfer, tab, two of four, wallet, tab, three of four, settings, tab, four of four. Okay, so on this screen, I could actually go and I could actually um, send some money to somebody or I could request money from somebody to actually send an invoice. So just to give you an idea. Selected. Send button. One of two. Shop button. There's my shop button. I'm going to go to the send tab. Selected. Send button. To the one send of two. button and I'm going to double tap on that. Selected. Send. One of two. And now let's. Request button. Next. Dimmed button. Two. Email or mobile number. Text field. Double tap to edit. All right. And now I am going to put Put in the two for who I want to send it to. Quick nap off. Email or mobile number. Text field. Is editing. All right. I'm going to put in a mobile number here and we'll say. Six, one, two. So we're not actually going to send this to anybody. So it doesn't make any difference. I'm just going to go through this and kind of show you how it works. And let's swipe to the right. Add button. And we aren't going to add anything there. Amount, zero U.S. dollars, zero U.S. dollars. Text field, double tap to edit. All right. Quick nap off. Double tap and put in an amount there. And let's see, we'll make it. One, zero, zero, one hundred, zero, zero. And I did put a period in it, but it didn't say the period, but it, I did put there. Quick nav on. Quick nav on. Message, optional, text field. Double tap to edit. Um, Quick nav off. Okay, and I double tap there, and I'm going to say... Capital T H I S I S A B I R T H D A Y P R E S E N T F O R Y O U period. This is a birthday present for you. Quit nav on 265. What's this payment for? Heading. Okay, and we can now choose friends or family button. Friends or family. Goods or services Goods button. Goods or services. Prep button. And now we get to a previous. Next. And Dimmed next. button. Done button. Next. Prep but Goods or services button. Okay. And I'm going to say friends or family Friends or button. family. Okay. Selected. Friends or family but Goods or services. 265. Prep button. And next. Dimmed button. Now I can. I done can button. Go done. Goods or services button. Okay, but that just gives you an idea. Uh, the the entire app, as you can see, and the few things we have done here, is quite accessible. And uh, if we were to go through and actually do a transaction, you would see that uh, virtually everything that you need to use in order to do any kind of a transaction you might need to do is accessible. 
The one thing that uh, I will mention that I understand, and I have not used it, but I understand that um, so far the ability to use this with a business and be able to scan credit cards um, may not be accessible. The last I heard from the blind people that I know that it, you tried to use it, that was not accessible. But for personal use, literally everything here is quite usable, quite accessible, and you can easily make payments, uh, request a payment from somebody, whatever you might want to do in your PayPal account with the latest version of the PayPal app for iOS. Hi, I'm Chase Crispin, the executive producer of Main Menu. We are currently looking for listeners who are willing to review any type of accessible technology for us here on Main Menu. If you are interested in doing a review of a product that you own, or an interview with its vendor, then please contact us and let us know what you're interested in doing. Before you begin to record a segment, it is important to contact us so that we can ensure that it hasn't already been covered on our program. To get in contact with us, please send an email to mainmenu at acbradio.org and let us know what demonstration or interview you would like to do. Once you have completed your recording, please again send an email to mainmenu at acbradio.org and let us know how we might get the file from you and if it will need any further editing. We can get files from you in any method such as SendSpace or Dropbox, any way that works for you. Once we receive your file, we will let you know when it will be aired on Main Menu. Presentations from our listeners are always interesting and well-received by the rest of the listeners, so if this interests you, please get in touch with us. Thank you for your interest, and we look forward to hearing from you on the show very soon. you again for being with us today on main menu we always appreciate having you here we hope you enjoyed the show and we'll see you back again here next week on main menu